0: Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast brought to you by Twisted Tea and my I'm your host, Michael Bratton. Go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And no Cousin Shane on this episode, but that's because it's a Stephen Lassen Tuesday. So we'll get to our conversation with Stephen in just a minute to preview this incredible weekend of SEC action but a couple news and notes across the SEC before we get there and had to start with this one oh <laughs> well, Mark Stoops asked about the Florida game noon game will the energy be there will be the will the fan support be there how dare you how dare you ask Mark Stoops a uh, question like that? Let's kick it over to Kentucky's head coach, who gives us the uh, the quote of the year so far. The
1: crowd last time before the play here, I think they had eight procedure penalties. I think a very sustained, loud crowd. But the whole thing, do you worry that a new crowd just has a hard time getting to
0: that level? I have great confidence in the people of Kentucky that can get up very early and pound some beers. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you dis- disrespect the, <laughs> this great state and the great people of it? Yeah, yeah get pound them beers. Get ready for the game. They're going to need them for this Florida matchup. Is that This is the biggest toss-up, I think, in the entire SEC this weekend, Florida coming to Kentucky. And look at uh, – this is something that uh, I, I pointed out on Twitter here. I thought it was pretty fascinating because, again, I got no idea – who Kentucky is at this point in time. But look at their next six. Florida at home. Florida's number 22 in the country. At Georgia, number one Georgia the following week. Missouri, which is ranked 23 now. Tennessee, number 21. Missouri and Tennessee are at home. At Mississippi State, and then again at home, number 12, Alabama. That's Kentucky's next six games. So we'll find out everything we need to know about the Wildcats in the next couple of weeks. And it starts all Saturday, with that big Florida game. Uh, a couple of injury new- notes around the SEC, Connor Wigman, Jimbo says, day to day. But uh, there is some speculation that Wigman will be out. Of course, they got Max Johnson, who he did a hell of a job against Arkansas last year. So not maybe no drop off at all. I don't know how you want to break that down, but minimal if at all a drop off between Wigman and Max Johnson. Sam Pittman says Rocket Sanders, they're hopeful this is the week they can get him back. That would be huge for that AM game. Arkansas AM, that could also be another game of the week type. I think it could be it, it's always a weird one. AM's owned it, but uh the <sighs> Arkansas has come close many, many times. So can't wait for that one. And real quick here, I, th- I just thought this was interesting. Missouri fans are upset, and, and rightfully so, because the SEC here today announced the kickoff times and the broadcast for week, what would it be, week 6, October 7th. So not this upcoming Saturday, but the following one. They always announce these a week, two weeks in advance here. LSU at Mizzou, Noon. Now, at least they got ESPN, but that's that's crazy talk. We'll, we'll get to the rest, and I'll give you the rest of my thoughts there. Western Michigan at Mississippi State, SEC Network at noon, that makes sense. Alabama at A&M, 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central, the CBS, SEC CBS Game of the Week, Alabama at A&M, Vanderbilt at Florida, 4 Eastern, 3 Central on SEC Network, Kentucky at Georgia, ESPN night game, 7 Eastern, 6 Central, huge matchup. And then Arkansas at Ole Miss, 7.30 Eastern, 6.30 Central, SEC Network. I think this is uh, Missouri fans have a right to be upset. Arkansas Ole Miss, that's always a classic. That's always a hell of a game. I get it, Saturday night. But I think LSU-Missouri's got the potential. This, I mean, hell, it should have been the CBS game. Could have been the ESPN night game. I think it's probably the best game on the slate that week. But they're not the brand that Alabama is. Alabama's not that good this year. They may not even be better than Missouri. Hell, based on what we've seen so far, I don't think they are better than Missouri. So, and LSU, hell, that's the cream of the West right now. So... Complete job here from the networks, going by brand recognition. If I was a Mizzou fan, I'd be pretty damn upset too. But that's all I've got to say before we get to this interview with our buddy Steven Lassen, senior editor, Athlon Sports. All right, it's Tuesday, so you know what that means. It's a Stephen Lassen Tuesday, senior editor, Athlon Sports, our favorite, Steven Lassen. What's up, my buddy?
1: Hey, Mike. It's great to be here once again. Thanks, as always, for having me on. I It is Tuesday. I have returned from college football's heaven, <laughs> from watching games all day Saturday. Man, what a glorious, glorious weekend of football. Can't wait to uh, get into the heart of conference play over the next couple weeks, so I'm excited.
0: Yeah, it was not beautiful for Lane Whiffen. We were just joking about that off-air, but uh, for a lot of us, it was, and you're right. I mean, this is the best weekend yet, of SEC action, because every game is a conference game. I can't wait to dive into all that with you, Stephen. But I wanted to uh, you know take a look back real quick on something we did last week. I enjoyed it. Uh, I think the listeners really did as well. But for a lot of teams, it was their first conference game last weekend. So I'm kind of curious to know which teams you learned more about. And let's start with uh, Auburn at A&M. Did you learn more about A&M in that ballgame, or did you learn more about Auburn?
1: To quote Dennis Green, I think Auburn is who we thought they were, <laughs> I think, at this point of the season. I think just too many question marks coming into the year about the offensive line, receiving core, quarterbacks. I think, fair to say, improved, but still a long ways to go offensively. I learned more about A&M, though, I, and, and the argument I would make is, I think coming off of that game against Miami and coming into this stretch of games um, this season with Alabama coming up in, in next week, I wanted to see how A&M would respond against a power five opponent. And I think we saw that, yes, Auburn has some issues on defense on, on offense right now, but A&M's defense and pass rush that front stepped up on Saturday and then offensively, You know, I think you like that Connor Wigman got banged up. Max Johnson comes in. Offense doesn't miss a beat. So I I like the response from the loss to Miami to the win over Auburn. Um, I think we're entering kind of a critical stretch here for Jimbo Fisher, and that's a good way to start by beating Auburn.
0: Yeah, and that man is fighting for his job, Stephen. I mean, he's out there on the field making tackles if they need him to. I mean, that was bizarre, wasn't it? But The, uh, the whole 12th man thing to a new <laughs> level, right? <laughs> now, uh, LSU-Arkansas, I realized it was the second conference game for LSU, but it was the first for Arkansas. Who'd you learn more in that one, LSU or Arkansas, which uh, lost to BYU, ugly fashion there, but uh, responded in a big way on Saturday night?
1: Normally I would take the team that won but in this case I'm going to take the team that lost. I I and I and I hate to go back to what we talk about with A&M. I like the response from Arkansas. I like the fact that you know they lost a game against BYU that was very winnable. They went into a road environment in Death Valley, two touchdown plus underdog and went in and fought LSU to the very end. A game that they could have won, had a few things kind of went differently. There's a few small things, obviously, penalties, timeout management that you can criticize Arkansas for. But I like the response by Arkansas, and I think the, you know, putting the ball in K.J. Jefferson's hands and letting him go out each week and carry you uh, to have a chance in some of these games, I just like the way that the
0: Razorbacks responded last Saturday in a very difficult environment hmm Well, I already kind of teased this one, Stephen, but Lane whiff in there, Ole Miss, their first conference game, same for Alabama. It was a must-win, I felt, for both teams, and Alabama just crushed them, crushed their soul there, particularly in the fourth quarter. Who'd you learn more about, Alabama or Ole Miss? Ole Miss.
1: I, I think for Alabama, we we kind of know what this team is right now. I, I think there's obviously some still some issues on the offensive line. The bully ball that they want to play is not there yet. We do know their defense is still really good, though. The question that I've been asking myself is, we know Alabama and LSU are probably still the front runners. Is there a third team that's ready to join them? And Ole Miss was the most logical candidate at this point of the season. And Alabama was vulnerable, on the ropes, and I wondered if Ole Miss was ready for primetime, basically. Were they ready to go into Tuscaloosa, win that game, and change the narrative about the SEC West race? They weren't ready. I think there are some things that you could take away from that game. And, and Ole Miss, I think, from, from 2022 to 2023, Jackson Dart is a better quarterback. I think the weapons being banged up at receiver are a real problem. But the offensive line regression, lack of a running game, uh, you know, sort of puzzling to me why losing one starter on the offensive line and changing your offensive line coach has, has meant this much of a regression there. So I think the question was basically – was Ole missing the same category as LSU in Alabama? And I think we found out on Saturday they're not, unless they go out and beat LSU this Saturday.
0: But they talk a big game. That's what really matters down here in Oxford. How about uh, Kentucky Vanderbilt, Steven? I, couple Kentucky's undefeated. They've taken care of business, but I don't have a clue who this team is. Do you?
1: I don't. And, and to be honest with you, you asked me the question, like, who did you learn more, Kentucky or Vanderbilt? I almost want to give you like an incomplete here because I felt like, you know, I was I was joking with you while watching this game. Kentucky jumped out to such a big lead and I thought they got it in hand. I'm going to like kind of focus on some other ones. And then, of course, the game got a lot closer after that. So I guess I would say is I I probably learned more about Kentucky. I like the fact that they went on the road and, and to get revenge for last year's game. They jumped out early. Vanderbilt responded. Kentucky took control late. We still don't know how good this Kentucky team is, but I guess maybe the best way to sum it up is it was a game they should have won and they were challenged and eventually they took care of business. So I guess we learned a little bit more about Kentucky in that game.
0: Did anything else stand out to you from the SEC? Just anything in general? I,
1: I go back to the the Ole Miss game for a second here. I there, there's that question I think of where kind of where is this team within the SEC? And I think that's sort of what we're trying to figure out. Lane Kiffin's won twenty, uh, you know, he's won twenty one games since the start of 2021. So they've they've clearly closed the gap uh, to or the. Much more of a top 25 team, I guess, now under Lane Kiffin. So I guess the question is, like, how do they close the gap to Alabama and LSU? And so looking at Saturday, go back to what we were talking about, like, were they ready for prime time? Can they cut the gap? They still have an opportunity to be a factor here in the SEC West. I mean, they get LSU this week. So I think there is a sense of, like, we tried – last week was about figuring out – the pecking order in the SEC West because we had Auburn, we had AM playing, we had uh, Alabama and Ole Miss. So I think there, there is a sense of that was a, a loss where Ole Miss, I think, felt confident going into the game, and I was surprised at how confident Lane Kiffin felt going into that game. And to play like that, I think, has to be a little bit disappointing, obviously. But at the same time, you can turn the page to this week and see that, hey, LSU's coming in. we got a chance to, to win this game and rebound. So I, I think just... The the SEC West race to me started to clear some on, on Saturday, and I think outside of of the game in Tuscaloosa, I think um, South Carolina Mississippi State was just entertaining to me. I mean, just Will Rogers. If we, I think if we, we pause, maybe Tulu Griffin and Xavier Leggett are, are still scoring touchdowns somewhere out there <laughs> in Columbia right now. Uh, that game was entertaining, and, and I think outside that, you know, Florida Tennessee just taking care of business. I mean, neither team played, obviously, their their perfect A game. But in a situation like that where they were favored, need to win, bounce back, kind of keep the train going for Florida, um, they were positive,
0: and they just found a way to win both games. So how about uh, Steven Lassen's weekly stock report in the SEC? The West, you've kind of gone back and forth, Alabama, LSU. Where are you at now, now that we've seen LSU I don't know if "struggle" is the right word, but back and forth with a with an Arkansas team that came to win, and then Alabama winning big at home over Ole Miss. Does that change anything? Are you are you flip flopping again, Stephen, or or do you still think LSU is that you had last week? I, I believe you said was your current favorite in the West. No flip flopping this
1: week. <laughs> I, I've got LSU still at one. I've got Alabama at two. I think something you touched on there and, and I think we kind of hinted at it. Like I think Alabama is uh, kind of who we thought they were and going into that game. I think we learned more about where Ole Miss is in the pecking order of the West. And and that's why I've got A&M at three right now. Ole Miss at four going with Arkansas, uh, Auburn and Mississippi state kind of in that order in, in five through seven. And I sort of think the tiers are sort of starting to form. You have Alabama and LSU the next question is, is A&M Tier 1, Tier 2? I've got Ole Miss a tier below A&M because of that loss on Saturday. And then I think we'll cluster the, that Arkansas-Auburn-Mississippi State trio together for now. I think if you're Mississippi State, you like the fact that after a poor performance against LSU, went on the road and pushed South Carolina – so that's a good sign, especially if the offense continues to play like it did. Maybe Will Rogers and Kevin Barbet are going to be on the same page more going forward, and then offense will be better. So I think 5-7 through seven is still a toss-up, but I think LSU and Alabama in the driver's seat with A&M just behind, and we'll find out more about A&M these next couple weeks.
0: Now, how about the East, even? And, uh, I mean, I, at this point, until they actually lose a game... <laughs> Well, I think we have to assume Georgia's going to win it, but kind of what we've done before is discussed who is that number two candidate or the top candidate to be their biggest threat. And last week you stuck with Tennessee even after a tough loss at Florida. Is Tennessee still your answer or how's that picture coming together for you? Let me start by giving you a bad answer. And I think all of these teams, like two through six, are
1: super close. There's not a ton that separates them. So I think when you look at like the the 133 rankings that you see around the the Internet, they should all be clustered pretty close together at this point in the season. I still have Tennessee second. Uh, Obviously, I think we're going to find out a lot more about Tennessee on Saturday night when they play South Carolina. I flipped Missouri ahead of South of, uh, Kentucky right now. So I've got Missouri at three, Kentucky four, and then South Carolina, Florida, um, and obviously Vanderbilt at seven. But again, th- those teams two through six are so close. And then th- that's kind of the, the theme for me this week is we learned a lot about the West last week, this week, the East kind of comes into focus. Um, this, uh, this, this Saturday with, the, with some of the matchups on tap.
0: One last question. I just thought of this, Stephen, before we get into, uh, previewing the upcoming games, but let's imagine that there are no divisions like there won't be next year or or there, there will be. It's very confusing the way I said it. No divisions. Let's say there's no divisions and the best two teams in the SEC make it to Atlanta. Let's assume Georgia's one. Who, if you had to bet everything you had on Steven, who, who would be number two? and, Maybe you don't even have to pick a team, but what I'm really asking you: Would it be the West champion this year, or would it be one of these teams out of the East that that rises above of the rest? Which Which one would you be more comfortable to uh, going to Atlanta if they had the opportunity to, to face Georgia again in Atlanta?
1: I think LSU. I think give me Jaden Daniels and give me the but the way that he's played the last couple of weeks, if he stays red hot like that, and you're starting to see maybe Caleb Jackson and Logan Diggs become uh, more of a kind of a solid one-two punch for that offense. I like LSU here, and and I think there's still. The defense is still going to come together. I think the the front looks starting to starting to play better. I think the secondary will be a work in progress all year. But if if no division's in place, I think LSU's the second best team. I think the wild card in all this is Texas A&M. I think it, we'll, we, we kind of were down on them, I think, after the loss to Miami. I think they sort of rebounded in, in a big way against Auburn. We'll find out more about them over the next couple of weeks. But give me LSU, give me A&M, and then I think a little bit of a gap
0: uh, to figure mm-hmm. out where those teams in the East fit in. All right, Steven. So we got seven matchups here to preview so many great games. I don't even know where to begin, Stephen, but just for funsies here, I'm going to go with South Carolina at Tennessee, the night game here. Spencer Rattler, red hot, Tennessee fans disappointed one by 30 something points, get them the hell out of here. They can't play. It's, it's wild what uh, what Tennessee football is at the moment, but uh, hey, a lot of intrigue. It sounds like this is going to be dark mode game. I, th- I think it's going to be a blackout, which uh, that's that's been a curse, a gift and a curse, depending on uh, what game you want to reference. But thoughts on South Carolina going on the road at Tennessee, night environment. This is the, the hottest ticket in the SEC right now, Stephen, it's it's uh i've looked into prices myself this is the best home game i think tennessee is going to get this season and and you know the fans are amped up for this one i know georgia is also there but i think this is the one in their heart of hearts they're going to be the most fired up for saturday night against south carolina what's your thoughts on this one
1: i think i love the storylines here I love the revenge angle for Tennessee. I'm, I'm sort of into storylines and narrative, I guess you could, <laughs> you could say every week, but I, I love the fact that Tennessee gets South Carolina at its place after what happened last year. And I want to see how Tennessee handles this environment and also the same thing. I mean, South Carolina is going into a very hostile situation. I mean, they, they're what three and one, I mean, Tennessee's three and one in the last four against South Carolina. Also the interesting thing here is I think, Three out of the last four times these two teams have played, the winning team has won by 20-plus points in this series. So whoever wins usually wins, as we saw <laughs> last year, uh, pretty one-sided. So I think my, my the first observation is Tennessee's going into this game angry, they, out for revenge. Now, to, to your earlier point is if you're winning games by 30-plus points and you're mad about it, that's that must be a pretty good place to be if you're Tennessee. But there are things I think that Tennessee – can obviously um improve upon and especially it starts with this week how does the secondary handle Spencer Rattler I mean he's been red hot I mean he didn't he missed just a few passes against Mississippi State I know he was under fire against North Carolina but he's been great all year and the receiving core for South Carolina has stepped up uh with Juice Wells out the offensive line running game might be coming together a little bit too so I think how does Tennessee's secondary handle Spencer Rattler probably the matchup that decides the game on the flip side. If you're Tennessee, you're probably watching that Mississippi state tape going Joe Milton receivers. This is the week that the big plays are back in the, the passing game because of the way that South Carolina uh, defended Mississippi state last week. So I think just the storylines are great. The quarterback uh, secondary, the secondary concerns are there. There could be some big plays by the quarterback. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, potentially what could be a a high-scoring game here on Saturday night.
0: Yeah, and conventional wisdom, Stephen, is uh, you want a balanced offense. You know, you got to keep the defense guessing, all that, yada, yada, yada. But South Carolina has been not balanced at all. And uh, my question to you is, can they sustain that uh, or – You know, or is is Spencer Rattler such an anomaly right now with how well he's playing? With Xavier Leggett looking like Superman out there, can they go into Neyland Stadium and win this game if they have virtually no running game? Because they, yeah, I know Mario Anderson. You know, he he gave him a little something in that last one, but I think Tennessee's run defense, in particular, is, is significantly better than Mississippi State's. And and again, this is at home, so. Uh, can, can South Carolina win this game if they're not balanced?
1: Not to mention Tennessee near the top of the SEC or at the top of the SEC in tackles for loss and creating havoc and disruption. And that could be bad news um, for South Carolina's offensive line, which has played better. I think they're kind of shuffling some new faces in there. I think optimistically over the course of the season, it could morph into a strength. I don't want to cause any um, bad flashbacks for South Carolina fans, but I mentioned the word screen. You know, one way to offset your, <laughs> your your lack of a running game is to use your sort of your short passing game with Spencer Rattler and some of your receivers. So I, I think optimistically, when you look at Rattler's like yards per attempt, it was over 11 against Mississippi State. Now, some of the big plays help that. But if you can't run it, you can sort of just disperse it, using him as a point guard to the edges with his receiving core. So I think they can overcome it. But I think optimistically, when you start looking at you know South Carolina's schedule, like they have the win over Mississippi State, but Tennessee's better, Florida's better, Missouri A and I think they are going to have to have a little bit more balance. So I, the question for me is, do you believe that someone like Mario Anderson, Dakirion Joiner can just give you enough on Saturday to win? They're going to need more than they probably have to to win the the opposition strength is going up. So yes, I think they need more. They can maybe offset it. By Spencer rather short passing game and some of that, but I think that they're going to have to get more growth uh, to be able to get to that second place, like we talked about in the East.
0: Well, you reference, you know, you're a fan of these the storylines and the narratives and all that. Uh, would you also say that you're a believer at all in, you know, there's sometimes you can be too jacked up for a game, and you could be forcing the issue, and maybe even tight because of the pressure. Because this is a game a lot of the fans have been talking about since the last one ended. Could that at all be a negative for Tennessee this week, do you think? Could be. You know, it's it's, it's
1: a it's an interesting debate because I think it, if you're Tennessee and you're too amped, you know, it, it obviously could work against you, but in the same way it could also work, it, they could be focused too. I mean, UTSA, I think, tennessee didn't play its a game but they still won you know pretty convincingly and never felt utsa was really in danger uh tennessee was really in danger of utsa winning that game tennessee's also got the the off date after um south carolina before they played texas a&m so in some respects if you go all in here and you expend a ton of energy you know you got a week to to build it back up but so i i guess kind of a weird answer is it could probably work against tennessee here but i, I just think that Tennessee has to really want this game, and I would expect a focused team, given the fact that how last year's game played out. So we we, we may know early on with some of the penalties and early mistakes um, that maybe some of these teams in the SEC have made. If we see that a lot from Tennessee early, I'd be a little worried. But I would expect I, I'm I'm expecting a focused Tennessee team here, um, given the circumstances.
0: And how do you anticipate that they'll attack South Carolina? Because you you reference it there. I mean, what, Will Rogers. I think he had four hundred and eighty-seven passing yards last week. Now I've heard South Carolina fans say, "Well, yeah, because we were expecting to run." Well, this thing called adjustments. People, come on! You can't <laughs> let someone throw for half a thousand on you. We but, we <laughs> saw Shane Beamer's interview at halftime, right? Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so would you th- would you try to do? Would you try to throw over the top like Will Rogers did? Or would you use your rushing attack, which is top five in the country in efficiency, and South Carolina is in the 100s in defending the rush? I mean, this – I get it. I mean, I'm trying not to undersell South Carolina, but this seems like a really, really bad matchup for them.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. I I think, first of all, I think South Carolina can play better defensively than it did against Mississippi State, certainly. I think on paper, like everything here – favors Tennessee from just a matchup you know you look at South Carolina um, allowed 45 completions of 10 plus yards this season they've also ranked near the bottom of the SEC in 40 plus yards so it wasn't just a one-off you know performance there have been some holes in the secondary and granted they've had some injuries there too but I think that probably one of the more underrated parts of Tennessee's team this year were the running backs I mean Samson had a great game against UTSA Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the other the other guys, too. I mean, this this is a deep backfield and probably doesn't get enough credit nationally. So maybe to answer your question is I see opportunities here for Tennessee on the ground and through the air. I think coming into the season, we knew South Carolina's defensive front had some issues against the run. I would probably look to attack there to sort of set up some of those plays for for Milton and some of the receivers downfield that Tennessee really
0: hasn't been landing uh, with consistency this season. Right. And just keep this in the back of your mind, Stephen. These two are not scheduled to, to play next season unless they meet in the uh, title game. So bragging rights for multiple years are on the line. I don't know if my timeline will survive this game. I'll just put it that way.
1: I think we can expect maybe a, a little beamer ball, a little <laughs> fake punt, you know, kickoff return. Like I think South Carolina is going to need something like that. I think probably uh to win this game i was a little surprised that the spread was so high at first but then i, I think once you, you you see the environment you see the matchups it's easy to understand why south carolina is such a heavy underdog doesn't mean that they won't win I, I think just you understand the vegas point of view on this one a little bit clearer after you dive into the matchups
0: right well how about the another sec east showdown steven florida at kentucky I was surprised that uh, Kentucky listed as a favorite, but again, they're playing at home, so that makes a little bit of sense. Uh, Florida, you know, rebounded excellently from uh, that that opening season loss. Graham Mertz seems locked in. Ricky Pershaw's at, looking like Air Jordan with some of these catches he's making out there, incredible stuff, uh, whereas Kentucky just annually kind of the most underrated defense in the entire league, so – uh, to me, Steven, this, this matchup is going to come down to Florida's rushing attack going up against this Kentucky defense. I think the, that matchup will decide this game. What's your thoughts on on this matchup? 100%.
1: I think, first of all, pick your, pick, pick your path, pick your, the way to read into stats at this point in the season. Kentucky's first in the SEC against the run. No opponent over 100 yards yet. Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron, Vanderbilt the truth is probably somewhere in the middle I think this defense for Kentucky is one of the best in the SEC certainly but I think that the numbers are probably a little skewed for every team at this point of the season so just how good is this front that's what we'll find out uh, on Saturday night because you know when you and I talked about the Tennessee Florida game a few weeks ago it all starts there for Florida offensive line ground game they have to get it going Mertz can't be third and nine, third and ten all night. That efficient passing game comes into play when you're in the short yardage, uh shorter third and three, third and four type situation. So I think line of scrimmage on both sides is 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 important here. Can can Kentucky contain uh Florida's ground game? And then on the other side, I think can you protect Devin Leary? I think that's been one of the storylines for me when I watch Kentucky is that the the sacks allowed may not be showing up yet. But there is some uh, more pressure than probably the numbers would suggest on Devin Leary. If you go back to the game against Vanderbilt, Kentucky had 266 of its yards on 10 plays. They had 99 on the other 50. I think you'd like to see a little bit more offensive consistency. All the pieces are there. But this one really comes down to as good as the quarterbacks have played this year, it's all about the line of scrimmage for me on Saturday.
0: Well, speaking of those quarterbacks, Graham Mertz for Florida, Devin Leary for Kentucky, obviously, two transfers. And, uh, you know, I I think Graham Mertz has exceeded expectations up to this point. I think Devin Leary has kind of underperformed. And maybe that's – I'm only saying that because the expectations were so high for Devin Leary. Uh, Who do you think has a better game in this matchup going against uh, each respective defense? It's a good question.
1: I kind of like Devin Leary here and I think to to some extent Kentucky's early season schedule reminds me of Georgia in a way. It's about just sort of building up to SEC play. I I don't want to say, Hey, the preseason is over, but it really is over like for Kentucky. Like there's no more of, you know, halfway performances. It's got to be locked in a hundred percent go now with the heart of SEC play heating up. But I think, the stats are so far pretty solid for Devin Leary. He's been under some pressure. You know, he has made some shaky throws. He is coming off a pretty serious injury at NC State, so I think by now game five, the rush should be gone. Opportunity against Florida. We saw Utah in the opener, hit some big plays. Tennessee hit a few a uh, few weeks ago. Granted, Florida's defense kind of settled in after that, but I think Kentucky and Devin Leary with the weapons that they have at receiver, if they can protect him. I think that Leary is the the quarterback more likely
0: to have a bigger game on Saturday. And, uh, you know, the the area of the game that often gets overlooked, Stephen, special teams, Kentucky seems to have solved their issues at kicker, and they got a dynamic uh, return man in Barry and Brown, while Florida, it's, it's been a, to put it kindly, it's been a struggle on <laughs> special teams. Uh, if, if Florida struggles... In special teams in this matchup, I don't think they got a chance to win this game. What What's your thoughts on that?
1: I, I agree with you. I, I think first of all, last week against Charlotte, it, I think if you're Florida, like it's great that they made all those field goals and you know special teams awards and all that. You got to score touchdowns. I think you got to score touchdowns to, to 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 win the SEC. Like I mean, I, I know that's a little bit of a cliche, but I think when you step back for a second and you kind of study this matchup, if Florida is still in a place. Where everything has to be perfect, like the margin for error isn't very big with this team. Like they have to be able to run the ball. Mertz can't be in long yarded situations. It has to be, I think, a lower kind of scoring game at this point. I think so. I think to your point, I think Florida being the underdog here, I think they need to they need to have a perfect day in special teams. They can't have a game like they had against Utah where. Penalties, bad punts are fielded. You know, mistakes and penalties, the small things. The margin for error is so small here. And if they want to beat Kentucky, those things that we saw on the road against Utah in the opener can't happen here on Saturday.
0: Uh, how about this matchup, Steve? We're very much looking forward to this one. But uh, Texas A&M, Arkansas, hopefully the last time in Jerry World. Let's let's bring stay, <laughs> campus venues back. Let's make them great uh in this series but uh hey Jimbo you know he's i don't want to say he's on a cool seat now but he's he's avoided the hot seat talk he's out here making tackles uh interesting though because Connor Wigman it depends on who you talk to he he may not play Jimbo today said he's he's day to day so that's interesting uh the defense which got carved up by Miami responded in a huge way against Auburn but does that say more about A&M's defense or does that say more about Auburn just being a train wreck currently in the passing game I don't know uh and then Arkansas you know played a lot better KJ's heating up getting comfortable in this offense that could be trouble Rocket Sanders will he return still not sure about that one but uh this one often has that bad mojo for Texas. Excuse me, for Arkansas in Texas A&M's favor. What do you make of this matchup?
1: You know, you know, I'm big into storylines, so let's talk. <laughs> let's talk storylines here. Uh, Texas A&M, one 10 of the last eleven, of course, against Arkansas. And if you've watched these games or this series, and I assume you know, you probably are because you're a fan of the SEC. There's been some weird stuff that happened in these games, and some weird stuff that's gone against Arkansas. But I think optimistically if you're Arkansas, like the team got off the mat against BYU. After losing that game to go into Death Valley, now you have to turn around and play another emotional, high-profile game against a rival in Texas A&M. So I think I'm expecting Arkansas to fight in this game. You know, A&M is obviously a favorite, I think, for good reason. For all the attention on the quarterbacks in this game, I still think it comes back to the offensive lines. I mean, Texas A&M got after Auburn last week with seven sacks Arkansas had some issues all year along the offensive line maybe that group is sort of starting to gel a little bit now um, as they mix and match some of those guys but I think that's that's the key to me for this game is for Arkansas to win they've got to protect KJ Jefferson we saw Tyler Van Dyke hit some big plays in, against Miami I think They they will be there. There will be opportunities for Jefferson. And the same thing goes on the other side. Whether it's Wigman, whether it's Max Johnson, if you're Arkansas, can you create some havoc? Can you create some disruption? Because Jaden Daniels just carved up the secondary. If Wigman or Max Johnson has time, they would do the same thing again with those weapons that Texas A&M has. And I think from a season narrative standpoint here, you you start looking at Arkansas' schedule. I mean, this game at Ole Miss, at Alabama. I mean, this is one of the most brutal stretches for a team in this season. On the flip side for A&M, there's a look-ahead factor here. Alabama comes in next week, and then, of course, there's the game against uh, Tennessee on October 14th. So I I think, I I will be curious to see, I think this, I think Arkansas, considering where they are in the season, knowing the schedule and the look-ahead factor for A&M with Alabama, I'm curious to see if there's any of that affecting one team or the other on saturday and sort of uh is is it do we get a like a a sluggish performance out of a&m because they get to play alabama the following week or or does arkansas maybe they a little bit emotionally kind of slow to get into this game because of how uh last week's game against lsu played out
0: yeah and i'm i'm glad you hit on uh probably the most uh Impactful matchup in the, in this game is Arkansas offensive line against Texas A and M's defensive front because I I also think Stephen that um, you know the Aggies clearly have shown you can take advantage of their secondary and Arkansas I don't know how they do it every year they just kind of reload via the transfer portal and they have weapons now they got the the freshman tight end Luke Haws throw him in there as well but uh, with Tesla and Sotania and Armstrong. Arkansas's receivers, I think, could have a field day against this secondary of A&M, but it, it's going to all come down to how much time they give K.J., and uh, if they don't give K.J. time, it, that won't matter. Uh, I, I think A&M wins easily if, if they're after K.J. early and often. Would, would you agree with that?
1: Agree with you. I think to, to go back to last weekend for a second, it, you know, it was just fun to see Jaden Daniels and, and KJ Jefferson play for four quarters at pretty much a high level and a fun back and forth game. High level quarterback play considering all the turnover in the SEC this year. You know, I, I was curious, like how many times we got, we would get that during the year. We got that on Saturday. I, I think, you know, to when I look at this matchup, I think you're right. A&M can be vulnerable in the secondary. The, the flip side of it is if you're Arkansas, get Jefferson on the move. His, his ability to kind of navigate the pocket, move around, could maybe offset some of those um, offensive line concerns in this game. But he, it, it, the key to the game for Arkansas is, number one, they at least have to win some of these battles at the line of scrimmage, and then it's going to be on um, K.J. Jefferson. So, yes, I think pass protection, keeping him clean as much as they can, and giving Jefferson a chance to hit downfield, I think is Arkansas's best chance to win this
0: game. And, any thoughts on Arkansas's defense, which as Made a massive turnaround uh, this season. But, they I mean, I don't want to say got exposed. Well, yeah, let me ask it to you this way. Do you think they got exposed last week when uh, I I think the first three possessions they held LSU uh, to a punt, interception, and a punt, and then I don't think LSU failed to score again the rest of the game. Now, is that because Arkansas defense is not that great, or do you credit that more to Jane Daniels and that LSU offense being maybe the best offense in the entire conference and and playing at home, getting hot, where would you lean on that? The truth
1: is probably somewhere in the middle. I know this is probably a really bad answer to give you, but I I think, first of all, I think Jaden Daniels is playing in the last, the Mississippi State game and the Arkansas game, just locked in, red hot, um, A little bit of a slow start, but then he got on track after that. You mentioned, you know, the first three or four possessions, Arkansas really held its own defensively and then LSU took off. So I think some of it is just LSU's one of the better offenses that they're going to play. It was kind of a wild back and forth game. I think from, from an Arkansas standpoint, I do think the defense is better if they go out this week and struggle and then I'll start to have my doubts. But I think through the first three weeks of the season, the stats and the 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 eye test watching Arkansas, I think it tells you that it is a better defense. And I think this will be a good test for them because I think they're going to have to... If they give up a lot of big plays again in the secondary for the second week in a row, I think I'll start to get a little worried. I think you'd like to see Arkansas win some up front, create some havoc. Same thing. We're we're wondering about the day and m front against Arkansas. Offensive line kind of applies both ways, too. So this will... We're still at that point of the season where we're still trying to figure some of these teams out, and this may give us a better idea of where Arkansas is defensively.
0: We could take a little break from the show to remind you guys that we're brought to you by MyBookie. Head on over to MyBookie.ag today and hit that and use that promo code that SECTHATSEC, and they are willing to match your initial deposit up to a thousand bucks, fifty percent instant. Deposit. So you can have $1,500 in your account today over at mybookie.ag today. Simple, easy withdrawals over at mybookie now. And not just college football, NFL, that's obviously heating up. Uh, basketball will be back, NBA, Major League Baseball, all the sports. They got you covered. UFC, if that's your thing, over at mybookie.ag today. You can gamble on any of those. But the most important part, don't forget that promo code. That is. Sec, they're willing to give you an initial 50% deposit bonus to anybody that uses that promo code, that sec. There's a link in the show notes. Please, please, please sign up for my bookie. This is the number one way to help the podcast grow this football season. Sign up for a new account, just throw 50 bucks in there, 100 bucks in there, and they are willing to match 50% of that immediately. Fade our picks, become rich as hell. Over at buybookie.ag today. New sponsor, also shout out to Rogue Shop this week only. Promo code SEC will get you 25% off your entire order over at Rogue Shop CBDTHC Delta 9 Delta 8. They got all the deltas over there at RogueShop.com. Veteran owned, family owned. My buddy Richard runs it. You give. Give them a call over there at the Rogue Shop. You got any issues, any problems, any questions. And guess what? It's going to be Richard or his wife answering the phone, helping you throughout your process here. Small business here. They got CBD. They got uh, the cartridges you can smoke. They got the gummies. That's my favorite, the gummies there. And believe you me, this stuff is legit. So... This is 100% legal CBD THC Delta 9 over at RogueShop.com. And don't forget that promo code SEC, 25% off your entire order. And if you spend over $100 over there, they're going to give you free shipping as well. They sent us a care package and could not have thanked them enough. High quality stuff over at RogueShop.com. Don't forget that promo code SEC for 25% off your entire order. And free shipping if you spend over a hundred bucks. And that 25% off deal that's only till Friday. So take advantage today over at rogueshop.com. There's a link in the show notes for that. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go to game beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before, it's made with real. Brewed tea and picks a flavorful punch, 5% alcohol, and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering on your favorite SEC team. Twisted tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love of college football. Keep it Twisted. The podcast is also brought to you by GameTime. Head on over to GameTime.co and use promo code THATSECTHATSEC for $20 off your first purchase. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. GameTime is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. GameTime is the place for the last-minute ticket sales. Forget planning months in advance. GameTime Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Head on over to gametime.co. Snag tickets without the stress. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code that SEC for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem that SEC for 20 bucks off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, how about this matchup, uh, Stephen? State in the West, LSU at Ole Miss, LSU. Slight favorite. That that was pretty surprising to me. Uh, what do you make about this matchup that all of a sudden looks like a must-win for Ole Miss if they want to have anything close to a uh, really good season? Is it crazy to suggest that this
1: might be a elimination game for Ole Miss in the SEC West race? Not at all, because they still got at Georgia. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing here, because if you lose this game and you assume Ole Miss loses to Georgia, you're already at three SEC losses. And that means you're asking LSU to lose three and get into some kind of crazy tiebreaker scenario with a couple teams or you're asking them to lose four. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a must win game here. Obviously, for, for Ole Miss, I, one of the interesting things about this series is and you start going back through some of the games. LSU was won six out of the last seven, but the winning team has needed 40 plus points in five out of the last six. So the winning team has generally been fairly high scoring. So that could be a sign of, of what's to come. I think optimistically, if you're Ole Miss, backs against the wall. I think maybe desperate to to show that last week was a one-off or hungry to to sort of quiet some of the questions uh, about where this team is. LSU's coming off an emotional last-second win against a rival. Now they have to go on the road to Oxford. That's a tough turnaround for LSU. I think LSU's secondary is very vulnerable once again, but can you protect Jackson Dart and give him time to throw? Can you get Quinshaw Judkins going? So I, I think... Much like last week against Alabama, for me, this game comes down to can Ole Miss protect and how well do they play up front uh, against LSU to give Jackson Dart some chances downfield because it's probably going to be a high scoring game.
0: Yeah, and uh, a point you made earlier, I mean, and that should be noted. Ole Miss is down several key weapons. We'll we, They got pre scoring back last week, the, the transfer tight end from Memphis. And so. Yeah, I mean, they start getting those guys back. Maybe they are a little bit more potent on all. Well, at least we, they better be. The way they showed last week. But uh, yeah, I mean, they do have a top twenty, I think, in the country pass efficiency offense. LSU's got a top a hundred and like fifteen pass defense efficiency. So you're right. I mean that that's got to be the the major advantage that LSU. Uh, excuse me, Ole Miss takes advantage of LSU in this matchup. Otherwise, they stand no no shot. But again, I, I'm just so perplexed because the entire time Kiffin's been down there, Stephen, they have been run first, and they've been elite at running the football, and they have a guy that most people consider the best back in the SEC, if not the country, in Jenkins, and and they can't get him going. Uh, do Do you think that's holding up the whole operation here? Because I don't. I mean, Jackson Dart's making some plays. He's tough as hell, but I've basically seen enough of him, Stephen, to know that uh, I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that you can do it all himself in these type of big matchups. I, I think he needs that running game. Can, can Ole Miss win this football game with another 70, 80-yard rushing performance? I don't think so.
1: I think they have to be able to have some semblance of, balance i mean or it's just that can judkins break off a big player too to to your point on jackson dart on third downs against alabama one of seven for four yards on third downs um that you know that's and that's not all on him you know you mentioned the, they've had so many guys banged up whether it's been harris it's been franklin it's been Priestcorn. like those are three of your top projected five receiving options this year who have been banged up and you got your offensive line that has not played up to its standard it's puzzling to me how the offensive line has regressed so much um you know as i mentioned earlier you lose one starter you change offensive line coaches so i'm puzzled by that but i i think jackson dart has improved since last year i think he's probably one of the top you know 25 quarterbacks in college football so far this year but they have to have I mean Judkins is their best offensive weapon and he has to deliver it's not not all in him the offensive line has to play well but for Ole Miss to win this game Genshaw Judkins has to be way
0: more of a factor than he was against Alabama yeah I I agree with that all right how about uh, Georgia at Auburn Steve I was excited about this game till I saw Auburn play last week now I'm thoughts and prayers to their uh, entire organization here because uh Georgia is is heating up and uh Auburn is struggling. What what's your thoughts?
1: Since I'm into storylines, we'll get into two of them for this game. I think number 1, I think I want to see Georgia put together a complete four-quarter performance on the road and show the country why you're the number 1 team in college football. Like what you've seen out of Georgia and Spurts, they've had a lot of injuries at running back and receiver too, and I think that's certainly you know impacting how their their whole offense is working. But this, you know, this is their their best opponent that they've they've played so far uh, this year. You know, they, them are South Carolina at this point in the season. So now you're going on the road, tough SEC environment. It's a rivalry. I want to see Georgia put it together. I think on the other side of things, I think if you're Auburn. You know how you stack up after against a and m after last week now you have to turn around and play uh you know arguably the best team in college football, so I think for Auburn it's a little bit of like a measuring stick. It gives you an idea of how far you are compared to last year to this year to georgia so that that's that's the way I'm looking at it. like Auburn's gonna need a lot to go right. We've seen some things go their way uh, at home against Georgia in the past. They may need some of that on Saturday, but I think this will just give us a good a better idea of where kind of Hugh Freeze's team is and then I, like I mentioned for Georgia, let's let's get let's see how
0: they look after a complete performance on Saturday. What would your level of shock be on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the least, 10 being the most, if Auburn beat Georgia? I mean, and I realize it's probably going to take several turnovers and a, a flawless game and all this. But uh, what I'm just curious, what what would be your level of shock? And I'm not trying to give away your pick, but, I mean, nobody in their right mind is going to pick Auburn to win this game.
1: I think my level of shock would probably be
0: a nine. <laughs> I mean,
1: not, I, I think just... <laughs>
0: I, I, I thought you'd be a little bit more kind and say eight. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm willing to give the, the rivalry angle and the road start for Georgia, like so many new pieces. Also, we'll see how do they get some guys back at running back or receiver. And, you know, mm-hmm. of course, the Georgia offensive line's a little bit banged up, too. So there there are we're, – we're still trying to figure out where Georgia is in the, the quest for the, the three-peat. And this road test is a good idea. But, I mean – How I suspect Georgia's defense is going to play well. And if you're Auburn and you couldn't move the ball in Texas A&M, are you going to be able to manufacture enough against Georgia? You're probably going to need to keep this game low scoring. You're going to need something maybe on score one defense. You're going to need to get a couple turnovers like you mentioned. It's going to take that kind of formula. I think if, if Georgia just comes out and puts up 17 on the board right away, I mean, man, that's it's tough to to plot a path for Auburn to be able to come back in that type of scenario.
0: Have you uh, been liking what you've seen the progression from Carson Beck? I thought last week against UAB. Again, I I get it, not the greatest of competition, but I thought that was his best performance to date. What did you think?
1: Agree. Yeah, I think was it over three hundred yards? I think um, for the first time this year. I think yeah, you know, and I hate to to bring it up again. You know, no Lad McConkey very much banged up at running back you know it seems like Georgia's trying to work around some of those issues offensively at this point of the season so i think a a guy starting his you know fifth game of the fourth game last week fifth game this week i think he's very much on schedule as far as his development The, the question for him and i think georgia will be if they get into a tight game like this or in the sec championship can he deliver we probably won't know because Georgia is just going to probably be so far ahead in all these games this year that they may not need that type of scenario until they get to Atlanta.
0: Yeah. Well, it's interesting you went there cause that's, that's right. What I w- wanted to ask you, Steven, this can be an extremely hostile environment, Jordan Hare stadium. And is there at least a, a small chance that, uh, you know, maybe they make things rough on Carson Beck and I, that's, that's going to have to happen for Auburn to have a shot in this ball game. And and not that Carson Beck would just, you know, go into a shell or anything like that, but um, I, I think that has to happen. They have to rattle them. I, I think that's their the start to a path to victory for Auburn. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think, first of all, I think if you're Kirby Smart, you're probably not happy that at Auburn is your first uh, road game this year. But in a way... You know, you, you play that game against Auburn, then you get Kentucky, Vanderbilt, off week, and then Florida. So this game kind of comes at the end of four games where you're sort of kind of figuring things out. And now you go on the road, play a team that has some issues offensively. So I, I think we're going to learn a lot about Carson Beck's development here. I mean, uh, for all of Auburn's offensive issues... I do think their defense can cause some problems. I think they can get after the quarterback if they can create some negative plays early, whether that's a tackle for loss, a sack or a turnover, put him in some long yarded situations. I think that's I think if you're a Georgia fan if that happens and he goes out and executes and and your offense looks sharp, you feel really good about it. I think if we leave that game and it's a 20 to seven win by Georgia and Beck struggles, I think then our questions about where Georgia is in in this quest to go through to three in a row will will we'll get a little louder. I think uh, seeing how the quarterback has developed, but I, I think so far I like the development from Carson back from game one uh, to game four.
0: And I just looked this up while you were talking, Stephen Gary Danielson, Brad Nestler back on the SEC after just one week of god awful. Big Ten football, pen, the panorama. Pun, Their Penn State, Iowa. They came running back to to cover this game,
1: just like old friends
0: coming back, huh? like one <laughs> one more time.
1: You know, I don't I don't know if you, if if uh, if anybody else watched. I mean, I know I did. I know there are a lot of people watching it, but I don't know how many people in SEC country watched the Penn State, Iowa game. Offense is bad sometimes <laughs> in the SEC. If you want to watch a bad offense. Go watch Iowa. I, I may have had more pieces of pizza on Saturday than Iowa had first downs against Penn State.
0: We'll put it that way. <laughs> All right. How about this one, Stephen? Alabama on the road at Mississippi State. I, I know Alabama's, this is another one that, uh, a series that has been owned by one side, and clearly that's been Alabama. But uh, Mississippi State showed some signs of life. They could have, you know, they could have quit and. Especially after that LSU performance, uh, this is going to be a, a late game. I believe nine Eastern, eight Central kickoff, so uh, it's going to be rowdy there. Uh, let me ask you this, Stephen, and I—I I, I know this is a little bit different way. We, we'll we'll talk more about this game, but would you be more surprised? Again, we we already talked about Georgia and Auburn. If if, if Auburn beat Georgia, would that surprise you more? or Mississippi State pulling the upset and beating Alabama which result would surprise you more
1: I think Auburn over Georgia right
0: yeah I'm glad I, you
1: said that I think the setup here for Mississippi State is interesting you know especially coming off the offensive performance against South Carolina Alabama's defense is very good and I think we saw that um you know on Saturday against Ole Miss the, the the way that they were active at the line of scrimmage could be really problematic for Mississippi State after they struggled so much against LSU's defensive front. But if you can protect Will Rogers, I think Texas showed that you can hit some big plays downfield. Also, Alabama gets Texas A&M next week, so there is a little bit of a look-ahead factor here. I know Alabama has totally dominated this series, but SEC after dark look-ahead factor uh a very motivated Mississippi State team like th- there are some factors here that make me think that you know Mississippi State's going to come out and play well early on in this matchup and you're not you're not getting the vintage Alabama team coming in here either as well like, like yep the-
0: of of course of course uh, yeah that's kind of where I was going the, the biggest and and there'll be some mismatches no doubt in this game but the one that's got me the most concerned stephen and this is not to slight anybody on Mississippi State's roster because I know they have some quality players, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. But I think when you go up against Alabama this year, you're going to have to have some athletes that can spy or, or at least keep Jalen Milroe in front of them. And I don't see that guy on Mississippi State's defense right now. And I think that could be a real problem in this matchup. Man, the disrespect for Nathaniel Watson and Jet Johnson. I mean, you think the they can SCG run with Milroe though? Yeah, I mean they no, they're great, but I I think that's a I think that's a speed advantage for Alabama.
1: It's a it's a fair question too. I think
0: you know, one thing about Milroe's
1: stats this year that have really stood out to me. If you look at his complete his passes 20 plus yards downfield, he's one of the best deep throwers in college football. 10 to mm-hmm. 15 on throws of 20 plus yards downfield for 379 yards and five touchdowns. It's either pretty much all or or the very short stuff in, in, in Alabama's game so far this year. And, and I think it's, it's very much a work in progress. And I think it'll be interesting to see over the season, does he get more consistent at some of the mid-range stuff? But I think to your point, if I'm Mississippi State, I want Milro throwing from the pocket third and six, third and seven. If you beat us there, you beat us. I don't want any of this, you know, scrambling around, making a 60-yard a, a bomb or him scrambling for six or seven yards. So I think this will be a, um, a good matchup for Mississippi State's linebackers. Like, if they can contain Jalen Milroe, they can slow down this Alabama offense and give their give, give Will Rogers a chance to, to make some plays with a
0: chance to trade some punches here in Starkville. How many points do you think it, it will take – to win this game? Is it going to take 30 points or do you, cause I, I could see it Steven being a lot lower than that.
1: I could see this game being pretty ugly, like on the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. I think Alabama this year just wants to make it as ugly as possible. The second half, the, uh, the, the Anaconda defense comes out where we're just <laughs> going to strangle the opposition so that they can't get, uh, you know, anything on the scoreboard. So I this Alabama team is just, from an offensive perspective, I know Mississippi State has struggled in the secondary, but it seems a lot to ask them to go on the road and put up like 38 points. So to me, this looks more like a you know, 24-something type of game, a lower-scoring game if you're Mississippi State. Now, I will say, if you're Mississippi State, and you're, and you're able to push the tempo, push the scoreboard, if you can get ahead and you make Alabama get a little uncomfortable and they're still not running the ball all that great, I i mean, that's that's the kind of formula if I'm Zach Garnett. I know that they want that balance in the offense, but if you can get Will Rogers and let him get ahead on the scoreboard, make Alabama uncomfortable, all of a sudden your path to victory gets a little bit more wide open there. But I, I think in, in the big picture, I think it'll be a lower scoring game
0: between these yeah. two. Yeah, when well, you get those cowbells ringing – I mean, Jalen Milroe has, he's already been so inconsistent and, in, and in making errors all, in home games. So I can only imagine if they get that crowd into it. And I, I think there is something to be said, Stephen, for Will Rogers getting him going, obviously. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe there's a happy medium there. They have reached at Mississippi state because he looked completely lost the first couple weeks of the season in this system. And, Last game, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it looked like old air raid. There, <laughs> it for five hundred yards. So, I mean, you, you ain't gonna do that against Alabama. But if you can just keep them balanced, I don't know. This, I've been wanting an upset in the SEC. I've, I've been wanting something to react to this. This one I have circled is. I, I think it's got real, real upset potential. Mississippi State knocking off Alabama.
1: I, I can I can see this game being maybe closer then the general public may think at first too, because mm-hmm. I, I like the setup for Mississippi state. We mentioned the game that Alabama has coming up. There was also the emotions of beating Ole Miss and, and that was a high profile game for Alabama. Um, but I, like we talked about at the beginning, it really didn't change my opinion of Alabama all that much. I still think that they're a flawed, they're still top 15, top 10 somewhere. They're still flawed. I think if you're Mississippi State, considering how the, the start to the season went and the game against um, LSU just a few weeks ago, there should be plenty of motivation, especially getting Alabama at home where they're vulnerable. And you got a senior quarterback in Will Rogers and a coach in Zach Arnett who could get a marquee you know, splash upset victory. Like Alabama's going to get Mississippi State's best shot, I would
0: imagine. All right, so the final one, Stephen, Missouri at Vanderbilt, Those, these Mizzou fans are all cloud nine, as they should be. But there's real danger here, Stephen, I think, of uh, overlooking Vanderbilt, looking ahead to that big LSU game. They're hoping they get college game day. If LSU wins, if Mizzou wins, who knows? Crazier things have happened. I mean, this could be an epic, epic showdown in two weeks. But they got to beat Vanderbilt first. So uh, what's your thoughts on, on Missouri going on the road to Vanderbilt?
1: I think the first thing is just survive the road trip and get out of Nashville with a victory. <laughs> that, that's that's the most important thing and set up that huge showdown next week because I'm looking forward to that game because, you know, I, hey, we, a few weeks ago we wondered about Brady Cook. Here he is. He's first in the SEC in yards per attempt, and he's second in quarterback rating, and he's had back-to-back 300-yard games for the first time in his career. It, the big plays, everything we wanted to see this season, he seems to be kind of developing on progress under new Uh, offensive coordinator Kirby Moore. So I think that next week, don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but next week against LSU secondary could be a really fascinating matchup uh, for Missouri. So I think most importantly, if you're Missouri, you think back to to last week against Memphis, the game against Kansas State was a big emotional win. They helped, they they could have easily let down and, and lost to Memphis, especially after Memphis came back in that game, and they didn't. So I think that's a good sign. Now you have to do the same thing and avoid the uh, the look-ahead loss at Vanderbilt. The game that was just a three-point game last year, Missouri's won six out of the last seven against Vanderbilt. So the series favors Missouri, but Vanderbilt, um, as we've seen in the past, is, is capable of giving uh, Missouri some trouble here.
0: Yeah, and one guy you didn't reference there, Stephen, Cody Schrader currently leads the SEC and – I don't know if it's I've, I've I need to look this up because I say it every podcast and I, and I never know which it is. It's either total rushing yards or, or rushing average per per game. But uh, I know he's the only SEC running back averaging over 100 yards per game. So, uh, yeah, I mean, to your point, this Kirby Moore offense is again, I I realize they've not gone up against Georgia and Florida and all these teams yet. But I mean, it's basically aces, and uh, Luther Burden, I know we've talked a lot about him, It's just so dynamic. There's a lot to like about this Missouri team, and I'm, now I'm just saying don't look ahead. Now I'm doing it myself. I was about to talk LSU, but I, I get fired up watching this team because uh, th- to me, this is what college football is, Stephen. It's, you know, every couple of years, your team should rise up and, and have this great dynamic season, and it feels like, that's what we're getting in Missouri, and we gotta remember this is two, three weeks ago. We about ready to fire old Drink. Now he may be SEC Coach of the Year. You know what?
1: Yeah, I mean, you and I were talking. We were getting the Missouri hot board ready. We were. <laughs> just, I, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I, I think I think what you said is 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 100 right. You know, we you look at Eli Drinkowitz's tenure at Missouri, and you know it's like six and seven, five and five. You can live with the kind of six, seven win seasons if the payoff is eight and four, nine and three, or even better. And it's going to get harder in the 16-team SEC for sure. But who's the second best team in the SEC East right now is a big question. It could easily be um, Missouri. Tennessee's got to go there. I know I like the the Vols right now as the second best team, but... You know, I really like the way that this Missouri team has been playing through the first couple weeks of the season. That win over Kansas State was huge. We knew the defense was great coming into this year. Offensively, there's signs of development. Just don't go out and lose a very winnable game and and ruin our uh, potential for, for a, a massive showdown next week. That would lose all that goodwill um, if you're Missouri. But this, if on paper, with the East being open and the start that Missouri's had. You can kind of think a little bit that, hey, this Missouri team might get there if they can win this game. They'd be five and zero going into that showdown against LSU. You know, then maybe they are the second best team in the East.
0: Yeah, and speaking of that, let me ask you one final thing, Stephen, about uh, about Missouri and and kind of rope Georgia and Kentucky into it. But I mean, it's stunning. That those are the three undefeated SEC teams, Georgia, Missouri, and Kentucky, in the year 2023. What percent chance, if you could ballpark it, do you think we're sitting here next week and those three are still undefeated, Kentucky, Missouri, and Georgia? I'm picking all three to win. So oh, I'm, I'm so going to say you like
1: the odds, huh? I, I like the odds. Um, I would say that the if you're the one that I don't feel the the best about would probably be Kentucky and Florida. I think I want to see Kentucky put together a four quarter performance, and and of course I want to see how that offensive line holds up against Florida. That one seems more upy to me than uh, Missouri Vanderbilt. If Missouri shows up and, and takes care of business against Vanderbilt you know I, I, on Vanderbilt um, we should mention them I think I, I think you know when you start looking at Vanderbilt's schedule too like the, the opportunities and bowl path to get there is starting to get pretty narrow and I think you know, I know coaches and players look at it a little differently than we do but if there's a path to six wins I think for Vanderbilt it has to start by getting this upset on Saturday.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, let me ask you uh, one final thing. Kansas, Texas, at, at Texas, uh, uh, it, I could be mistaken. Is, is Kansas, uh, are they undefeated right now? 4-0 and ranked in the Associated yeah. Press Poll. So, I mean, w- you got any quick thoughts on the, on that matchup?
1: Yeah, so, so two years ago, um, if... You know, you may think back to the 2021 season. Kansas upset Texas in Austin, and it was a, a massive upset that went into <laughs> right. overtime. It was a great game. It was not a good loss uh for Steve Sarkeesian considering <laughs> uh the point spread. Last year, though, Texas took it to Kansas. So I think the Texas Kansas has Texas's full attention this year. They're not sneaking <laughs> up on anybody, but they are good. Um Jalen Daniels, the quarterback for Kansas, is fun to watch if you just want to tune in um to the game on on Saturday. The timing of this game is interesting. You know, Kansas is dangerous offensively. Texas got Oklahoma next week, a little bit of a look ahead factor, but also I think Texas took care of business against Baylor. I mean, 38 to 6. I know Baylor's not very good this year, but we've seen Texas sort of stumble in these spots before, and it so far I want to get ahead of myself. It seems like a different Texas team, and if it is, it's taking care of business and beating Kansas and getting to that Oklahoma showdown undefeated.
0: Well, yeah, and speaking of a new team, Stephen, Oklahoma, that defense, they have been playing some impressive football. I've been enamored with the offense the first couple of weeks. Now the defense is, is very highly regarded under Brent Venables. Maybe we're, we're starting to see the fruits of his uh, work down there in Norman. Uh, got any quick thoughts on uh, Iowa State at Oklahoma?
1: Yeah, it's a matchup that really favors Oklahoma. Um, Iowa State, probably one of the teams ranked near the bottom of the Big 12. Um, it's kind of kind of close in that 8 through 14 range in the Big 12. But this is a matchup that suits Oklahoma. You mentioned the defense you know, only allowed three touchdowns through the first four games of the season. And granted, some of those offenses weren't great. But still, I think we, we came into the season wondering about offensive line receivers and defense for Oklahoma I think so far all of those have passed the test now take care of business against Iowa State and set up that showdown against Texas uh in, in next Saturday and for what should be a pretty massive showdown between two you know one top five team and potentially
0: one top 10 team uh by next week any uh closing thoughts Stephen as we ha- look ahead to the weekend I, I mean I just can't wait for it we're Half the league is gonna be pumping their chests, the other half's gonna be cursing me all Saturday night long. I I can't wait for it.
1: I think the good news, Mike, is that it's conference play. So the SEC doesn't have to take any non-conference losses and to, to say maybe, you can't say the SEC sucks this week because they're all just beating up on each other. So uh, I, I I say it a lot, but I love conference play because these teams have played each other so many times, you know, through history, and we're starting to get a better idea of kind of where these teams are. So I always enjoy um, love non-conference play, but conference play is by far my favorite. And I think we we talked about it earlier too. The West was the focus last week. Now it's the East, and I think we'll start to find out a little bit more about some of these teams, especially this week with Tennessee, South Carolina, Florida, and Kentucky. So I'm I'm looking forward to learning a lot more about some of these teams that have played pretty favorable schedules to start the year.
0: Yeah, it kind of reminds me. I don't know if the, I don't think they still do this, Stephen, but the networks they used to be like Separation Saturday, and it, like as cheesy as that is, this this feels like a Separation Saturday. It's not going to define who wins the conference by any means, but I think it'll start to clear the picture of who's legitimate and who's not in terms of the contenders in each division. So uh, in a weird sense, it kind of is a separation Saturday, if that makes sense.
1: Uh, Oh, for sure. We only get 12 of these Saturdays during the regular season, and each one of these Saturdays produces data points that are sometimes confusing sometimes clarifying and sometimes they're maddening because we don't know what to make of them and <laughs> what we see like kentucky's a perfect example of this i, I have no idea what to make of kentucky i've got them just outside the top 25 they could either take care of business against florida and be ranked next week or they could lose and we're sort of shuffling what that means so i i think we can't say this too off too much longer, but we're learning more about these teams. And I think this Saturday uh, gives us a good idea about some of these teams that have played pretty favorable schedules so far.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Stephen, before you go, can you remind the audience uh, where can they find you? Where can they follow you? Absolutely.
1: So every week you can listen to me on the cover two podcast by Aflon Sports. It comes out on Wednesdays. We preview the entire country and the SEC as well. So cover two podcast, and check it out all of wherever you get your podcast at, whether it's Spotify or Apple. You can follow me on Twitter at Athlon, Steven. You can follow me on YouTube, all CFB365. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, threads, TikTok, Steven L CFB. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, uh, thanks again, Stephen. It was a tremendous conversation. Can't wait till next week. Absolutely. Thanks as always for having me. All right. So just will say thanks again, Stephen, for joining the show. Always appreciate our time with Athlon, Stephen. Give him a follow. Listen to his other shows. He's one hell of a guy. And I call him the college football encyclopedia for a reason. Nobody does his homework like Stephen Lassen. He adds true value to the show each and every week cannot be more thankful for that so hey that's all we got on this episode cousin shane will be back on the next episode to break down all this scc action cannot wait thank you to each and every one of you for continuing to support the show we really do appreciate it take advantage of the sponsorship opportunities help the show stay independent but that's all i got Oh, and while you're at it, give us a five-star written review. Subscribe on YouTube. We'll send you a beer koozie free of charge just for doing that. Reach out to us at thatSECPodcast at gmail.com. But that's going to do it. We'll catch you on the next one. Hey, buddy. This beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State.